If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Isaiah 49. And man, I, I sought out what God would want to speak to us this week, and I uh, went through several messages and several things, and uh, finally know that God settled me in the right place. And uh, Isaiah 49 is where we're going to be, and I want to call this a new covenant Christmas, a new covenant Christmas. We started the year out talking about the new covenant, and we have preached on the new covenant the whole year practically. We have preached uh, the book of Hebrews. We started out this year saying the world is being shaken, and we want to be on the right foundation. And we wanted to make sure we're on a firm foundation, a solid foundation. And I've got news for you. I've got news. 2022 Get ready. You better be on the firm foundation because I'm going to tell you something. It's not going to get better, and I'm not a prophet of doom here today to you, but I just want to give you the cold, hard facts about where we are in this world. And I'm going to tell you what, 2022, if you keep wanting to return to normal, uh, you're going to be very disappointed because it's, it's about to get very rocky, and, uh, and, and we want to be ready. And that's why we've spent an entire year, an entire year, on the right foundation, on the solid rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. You're going to see a lot of people that are not on the rock of, of ages in the coming days are going to find it very difficult to maneuver through this world and to make it day by day. But if you're on Christ, and here's what God is positioning us as this church to do. We're not going to hide. We're not going to run. We're not going to be, the, we're not going to be in fear. We're not going to cower down in 2022. I know what Lord, the Lord, I've got, I'm so excited about the coming messages that God's bringing us. Because we're, now that we're on that firm foundation, we are going to be his hands and feet in this world. We're going to give other people hope. And they're going to come to us and say, what is the reason for hope in your life? Why the joy? Why the peace when the whole world's falling to pieces? Why are you standing? And so we're going to go out. Man, that sounds like about three of you believe it. But no, we are going to stand. And I don't care how young or old you are, because that's what Christ has commissioned us to do. He didn't call us to go sit in our homes and be fearful like the world. He called us to go ye therefore into all the world. And the time is so short. And if you don't care if your neighbors go to hell then, and, and die spiritually, then, we're, then, then, then we'll stay and do nothing. But Christ commanded us to go in the love of God and to reach the world for Jesus. And I just believe he's putting that love back into our hearts now. The love that he has for this world. He wants to save the world. Amen. For God didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. That the world might be saved. And how are they going to know unless a preacher goes? And that's you. How are they going to know unless the unless we go. Uh, Christ is sitting at heaven at the right hand of the Father, but he's got a church that's alive and well, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so in 2022, if you've been sitting on your uh, the, uh, word they use sometimes, your keister, then we're going to get up off our keisters and we're going to move into the work of the Lord. Amen? Come on. Hallelujah. Rest time's over. Time to work. Bible says work while it's day for the night comes when we're not going to be able to work. And that day's quickly approaching. They're trying to shut down the churches. They're trying to shut down everything. Work while you can. Amen. Work while we have the opportunity. And now's that time. Amen. Off my soapbox. Let's go. New Covenant Christmas. If you got your Bibles, go to Isaiah 49. So good to see everybody here. Everybody. I mean everybody. Glad to have you here today. It's wonderful to have Maddie here who has been serving our nation at boot camp. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so we're so proud of her. She's just on a quick break, and then she'll be going back. But we thank God to have her here with us this morning. Amen. So I want to speak to you about the new covenant, and I want to talk about the real meaning of Christmas, because a lot of times, like the play insinuated, uh, a lot of times we uh, get, we're in a cultural war today, and we get very frustrated because uh, we see manger scenes being taken out of uh, uh, places, we see uh, prayer being taken out of schools, we see all of these things that are this attack on Christianity that's taking place everywhere, and our, our uh, first instinct is... Uh, as we see Christmas trees and tinsels and all those things as we want to scream out, hey, remember it's Jesus' birthday and, and that sort of thing that we're singing in here. And obviously we, we, we know that he probably did not come at this time, but again, for all of those that, are, are, that bothers them in their mind, uh, that he did come, he did come, and I'll just keep saying that. So, uh, but, the, but for those that were trying to uh, remember this as his coming into the world, and, and we think that if we could just get those things back, back in and we could just do that, uh, then everything would be good. But I want us to realize today it goes a little bit deeper than that. And I want us to look into something today a little bit deeper under the surface than just getting a manger scene placed somewhere or just putting this. I want you to see the why of Jesus came at this uh, time. I want you to hear why and remember why he came. And the reason he came was to give us the new covenant. He came to give us new covenant Christmas. And that's what I want us to look at this morning, and it's something we've been talking about all year long. So if you got your Bible, look at Isaiah 49 and 8, and it says this, Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor, at the right time, I have answered you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you, and I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land to apportion the desolate heritages. He, he, God the Father is saying he's going to send his son Christ. And, and, and he's, he's coming. And the reason that he's coming to be born in that lowly manger that they were so beautifully demonstrating that to us. The reason he's coming, folks, let me tell you something. The world is not threatened by a baby, but they're threatened by a king. The world is not threatened by a baby, but the baby grew, the Bible says, and became a man. And he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the Father, and full of grace and full of truth. The baby grew up and he was crucified and he gave his life on a rugged cross and he died for the sins of humanity and he was raised from the dead triumphantly and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's who the world is afraid of. They're afraid of a, of a man who was fully man but yet was fully God as well. Amen. That's who the world is afraid of. And so what we're going to do this morning is take time to thank Him for the new covenant. We're going to thank Him for the new covenant. Because often when we think about Jesus coming, what we think about is we think we know what the old covenant was, right? We know that the law came. And with the law uh, came the, the commandments and, 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 and men started... In, 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 the law has an if-then clause. If you do this, then I will do this. If you obey this, then I will bless you. But if you don't, then you, I won't. 
And so it has this if-then clause, and, and it can really bring uh, discouragement to the heart. And so we often think that the Old Covenant, when we read that, we read about God the Father, and we read, we read about Jehovah in the Old Testament, and we think, man, he was kind of cranky, wasn't he? He was always wrath, always killing folks, always just stuff going on, flooding the earth. And we almost think that when Jesus comes, this baby, this humble little baby that comes in the manger, it's almost like... We think he's just coming to tweak the covenant or like he's coming to say, you know what? My father is just really kind of cranky and kind of old. And so, you know, I'm coming to kind of show you that's not really his heart. He's really not that bad. He's really got a softer side and I'm going to show you that side. But here's what happens when Jesus comes. Jesus comes, the Bible says, and guess what? He's even more radical than, than, than the Old Testament and the Old Covenant was because here's what he comes and does. He says, uh, you've heard it said of old to do this and to do that, that a man should not commit adultery. But I say unto you, and he raises the bar even higher, a man that even thinks and lusts in his heart has already committed adultery. And then he says, hey, you heard it said of old that a man ought not to, uh, uh, to murder. But I tell you what, Raymond, if you, even, if you even hate in your heart, you've already committed murder. Wow. The bar goes even higher. And 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 and, he, and and so he he actually makes it seem more radical, and he nails what he's doing. What he's coming to do, folks, is he's coming to nail the last nail in the coffin of thinking you can obey the law in your own strength. That's what he's coming to do, to just nail the last nail in. If any of you think that you can still do it in your own strength, I've come to tell you, I've come to bring the new covenant to you, the new covenant Christmas, and I've come to tell you, you're done for in your own strength. And I'm nailing the last cough nail in the coffin that you will never be able to obey these things in your own strength. In fact, Paul goes on to write and says this, that he says, when the law came and exposed the transgression, in your life and in your heart there was no power to overcome it and he says sin actually increased the more I want to quit it now the law is facing me in the face and now it's even enraged sin all the more there's no power in this old covenant that has come there's no power in these stone commandments that have come before me yes they've presented me guilty but they've given me no power to overcome them and through the study of the law, we realize how sinful we are. And if you haven't, keep trying. And we often think law and grace are the same thing, but they're not. They're two separate things. They're two different things, and you must have an understanding. Wesley, Calvin, Luther, they said the key to us as Christians is discerning the Scriptures correctly and rightly dividing the Word of God is to understand that in this book, what is law and what is grace. They say that's when you become a, a, a genuine Christian. That's when you become an on-fire Christian, when you can rightly discern law and grace, that they're not the same thing, and differentiate between 
between the two and understand why they've come. And folks, the Bible says here that Jesus now comes. The law comes, the Bible says, and sin and the transgression increase. But on Christmas, the Bible says that Jesus has now come full of grace and full of truth. And now when he comes, the transgression doesn't increase. The transgression decreases in your life. That's the impact of a relationship with Jesus Christ. What you could not do now and what you struggle to do and what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, and, and the people who tried to keep the law in their own strength couldn't do and it only frustrated them and it only made them try harder and promise things they couldn't do. And now the coming of the Son comes, nails the last nail in the coffin and says, I know you can't do it, but my grace will help you to do it. And He comes and offers offers himself as the covenant. And he fills us with the Holy Spirit and things from heaven, the Bible says. And so when Jesus came, it wasn't just to preach sermons or to give us more rules. Which the church of Jesus Christ is so good to do on the people. Especially in the south. He comes with a whole new reality. A whole new reality. He comes this new covenant at Christmas and requires that God give us Jesus. I'm giving you Jesus. I'm now giving you my son as the covenant. I'm giving you my son as the covenant keeper. So why move on Christmas morning or on whatever time of year that was when he came into the world in Bethlehem? Why was that moving us from an old covenant to the new covenant? And what was the benefit of moving us from the old covenant to the new covenant? Well, in order to understand that fully, and we've been preaching it for a year, you have to go back to Genesis and you have to go back to the fall. And you know that there was one commandment given to mankind back in the garden. And man, it was so, oh, we got this. One commandment, right? Wrong. We can't even keep one commandment. Of all the trees in the garden you, you can eat, except for that one. And that one became so, oh, oh, I just want that. Amen? And that's exactly what happens with the law. And the transgression increases. And I got to have that. And we take a bite of that thing. And man, all of a sudden we see the fall of mankind and shame and sin and guilt enter into the heart of man, right? And what came with that? Accusation. Accusation. Accusation started in the garden. Look at Revelation 12 and 10. It says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them before God day and night. Accusation started immediately after the fall. We have an adversary. We have a, we have a, we have a devil who, who, who wants to go before God day and night and accuse us. And, and the you there in Isaiah 49, you, 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 the you has now come. And, and it has come to fulfill the prophecy given in Genesis 3. Because right after the fall, thank God for the love of God. If you don't think God is for you, just read the Bible. Immediately after the fall, he institutes a plan that I'm going to 
come and I'm going to, Christ is going to come and he's going to, the, the, the devil, that old slew foot, Satan, he's going to bruise his heel, but, but, but he's going to crush his head. He's going to crush the accusing voice against us. He's going to crush this. And, and, and right now, many come in this room and you're being accused by Satan right now in your mind. Many of you every day live under the accusing voice of the enemy. You're not good enough. You would be doing a ministry right now, but, 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 but you got too much wrong, too many things in your life. If they only knew what you did when you were 16, 17, 18, 19, if they only knew what, what, you, what was in your life and what you've done in the past, then, and he's constantly coming. And it started in the uh, garden when we opened our door to the accuser. And the Bible says not only does Satan accuse us, and not only did the fall cause that accusation to come in, but look at Genesis, or look at the next scripture, because this blew my mind. I've never seen this. But in John 5, the Bible tells us there's another accuser. And listen to what it says. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. Who is that? Jesus. Don't think that I'm going to accuse you. If you hear an accusing voice, Lonnie, that is not Jesus. He's saying, that ain't me accusing you. That's somebody else. That's Satan. Or Moses. Oh, wow. Or Moses or those who put their trust in the law. The law accuses you. That's what it was sent to do, folks. To present you guilty before God. To stop your mouth. I'm not that bad of a person. Oh, yeah? There's no one good. No, not one. He says, don't think I will accuse you to the Father, but there's one who accuses you, Moses, on, you, on whom you've set your hope. If you have set your hope on, on fulfilling the law, oh, how many times did I promise that? Even after coming into Christianity. Man, I blew it again last night, God. I looked at that woman to lust. You said, if I even look in my heart to lust. Dear God, I didn't even just look in my heart. I went to the internet. I double backed on that channel. John, have you a seat? I double backed on that channel. And I, and I stopped there on those scantily clad bathing suits there and took another look. I promise, God, I'll never do it again. I promise I'll never do it again. I, I, I know I said that last time, but I promise you this time, it's for real, God. And over and over I went on that merry-go-round. Over and over, trying, failing, promising, failing. Hoping that one day I'm going to get it right. If I read enough of my Bible, I read so many books when I came into Christianity, my eyes were crossed. About killed me. Trying to get my life somehow pleasing to God. 
trying to make him make myself good enough. And then when I would fall, I would beat myself in enough penance to make him. I'd double down, pray pray more. I'm not going to pray 10 minutes. I'm going to pray 20, 30, 40. And man, I mean just the law just killing me, just killing Brad, just up under the law, uh, under the weight of, of, of this thing. Try harder. Do more. It's my merit that will please God. And I lived under that for so, so long. So not only does Satan come to accuse us, but if we're putting our hope in the law and our strength getting us through, then the law will begin to accuse us, the Bible says. Uh, and, and, and it ends in guilt and shame and condemnation. But then there's another thing. Romans 2, 15. There's one more accuser. And it says this. They show that that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. In other words, living one foot on Mount Zion and one foot on on Mount Sinai and one foot on Mount Zion. One on law and one on grace. And here's where it goes. It's yourself that begins to accuse you. If I try and I fall, then I begin to accuse myself. Brad, you big dummy. You did it again. You promised him you would would not do it. You promised you would cut it off next time. You promised you wouldn't go there. Look at you. God's so mad at you. How are you going to get up? How are you going to go to church tomorrow? How are you going to show your, how are you going to raise your hands in, in the congregation of holy people and accusing? Or if I had a good week, I mean, I had a good week, man. I read the Bible. Revelation's coming. I mean, I feel good. I did. I knocked it out of the park. I mean, I did great things. Then all of a sudden, I began to excuse myself. Man, you did good, Brad. You're close to God. You really did well. Pray. You prayed an hour this week every day. And, and you begin all these things and all these accusations of the evil one. So then in Isaiah 49, the father says, you son go and you be my covenant because they cannot keep my law. And he says, thus says the Lord in the time of favor, I've answered you in the day of salvation. I've helped you. I will keep you. I'll give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, the apportion of the desolate. I like what Galatians 4, 4 says in the fullness of time, God sent forth his his son, born under the law from a woman, and, and, and he lived perfectly to free us from that law. Amen. It talks, it goes on to talk about how you, when you were a child, you were like a servant in the house, and you had a tutor, and you had a schoolmaster. That's the law that you lived up under, and it trained you. But he said, when you, when Christ came, when Christ came, when the new covenant came, He made you a son. And He made you an heir. And an heir is a son of God. Amen. He is no longer a servant or a slave of God. He's a son and He sent the Spirit into our hearts where we can cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, You're my God and You are my Savior and You have forgiven me and You love me. Not on my merit, but on the merit of Jesus Christ, the law keeper. Amen. And so Jesus comes and listen to what he begins to preach to the broken and accused. Because that's what we were. We're sinners. We've fallen. 
We've been accused by everybody and everything because we are that. And rightfully so, we really deserve the accusation. And then Jesus comes, this gift of salvation, this gift of grace, this gift of, of, of mercy, this new covenant Christmas gift comes, the Bible says, and good news has arrived. And here it, it not only comes in that package, but it begins to translate into his preaching because when he stands up before the broken people like we are today, he stands up and he says things like this, blessed are you now, Angie, for yours is the kingdom of God. What? What? The law's been accusing me. My mind's been accusing me. Satan has been accusing me. Blessed are you when you mourn, for you're going to be comforted now. Do you understand what's come? Do you understand why I'm saying we're going to celebrate the new covenant this Christmas? We're going to thank God for the new covenant because he's come and blessings have arrived and glory has arrived and it's showing up now. And I'll give you a story of how that's played out in the Bible just so perfectly. Go to the next slide. John 8, you remember this story quite well, a woman being accused, the old accuser, because he's not going to stop accusing you, Lori, right now. Listen to what that old accuser does. So Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came out to him, and as he sat and taught them, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, go ahead, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery, and here, because they're going to get him, man, they're going to get him, they're going to fry him, because if he, if he offers her grace, he's disobeying the law of Moses, I mean, if he, they're trying to trap him, they're trying to get him everywhere they can. Now, in the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? And this they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. They're, all, they're after him. And, and, and that's what the accuser comes to do. Is that not what the accuser comes to do in our life? Because that's exactly what happens to us as well. The ultimate thing that the accuser, whether it's your mind, whether it's Satan, or whether it's uh, 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 the law... It always is to point you back because the real accusation that it wants you to have is not against you, but against your God. See, I've been trying to quit drugs forever, you say. And all of a sudden you come to the preacher, what's wrong? Man, preacher, I did everything you said to do. You said this was, a, this was a covenant of grace and truth. You said, you know, I have fasted. I have prayed. I have read my Bible every day. And, and, and basically what they're saying, and, and I'm still hooked. So this doesn't work. And what God is saying is really not true. You see where the accusation, Satan wants to turn the accusation to God. And there's a lot of people blaming God right now for a lot of things. That's the accuser of the brethren. And so they said this to test him. But here's what I love Jesus. I love about Jesus. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first one to throw the stone. Now it had been a sad story if somebody had picked up a stone and pegged this lady and she died. But God knows what's in the heart of man, and God knows every man, and he knows that they're guilty. 
And so he knew there was nobody out there who could pick up a stone and cast an accusation against this woman because they too had the same things going on in their life. And here's what I love. When they all dropped their stones and when they walked away, I love what he says to the woman. But when they had heard it, they went away one by one. And then what does he say? Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Where's the law? Where is your conscience? Where is Satan himself? Where are all these people? Where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Do you see why I'm saying a new covenant Christmas is worthy of worshiping? Do you see why it's more than a baby in a manger? Do you see why that day what God was coming and bringing to the world was something fabulous and wonderful and gracious and glorious? Hallelujah. Here's what happens when you hear the voice of Jesus. Now, it's hopeful conviction. Because when we do something wrong, he convicts us. You know, our hands get back there on the pews when the preacher... Or we get up and we leave. I see you. Think you're going to the bathroom. Slamming the door on me. But it's hopeful conviction. Because Lonnie what he's saying is. I'm not condemning you. I just see what you really are. I see what I see in you. And I want you to understand that. And you're better than this. You don't need this mess. You don't need this junk. So leave this behind. I see something in the future that you are. And that you're going to be. And so he begins to come. And here's the beautiful part about when you start following Christ. And let the new covenant come into your heart. And begin to stand on a firm foundation of grace. When the accuser starts to come and to accuse you. What the Bible says is, is the father... Uh, already has his foot on Satan's head. So now he's starting to say, hey, Brad, hey, Brad, Brad did this. And he just puts his foot a little bit harder on his neck. What's that devil? I can't hear you. What did Brad do? I can't, I won't say it again. I, I can't seem to hear you. And so I don't hear an accusing voice anymore. I don't entertain that anymore. I listen to, I may hear a mumbling voice say, oh yeah, his, the accuser's gone. The accuser's under his feet. Amen. And so the accusations are only mumbles because Satan's head is crushed under his feet. I want to close with one last story the Bible, in the Bible in Ezra. And this is going to really close out our year. This is really going to close out what, what, uh, we, what we've been after this whole year. And it comes from Ezra 3.10. And listen to what this story says, and, and, and you're going to see how it ties in. It's kind of a weird Christmas message, but it gets to the point. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple, we've been talking about laying a foundation the whole year. And it all comes down to this right here. And I about did cartwheels 
when the Lord brought all this. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with symbols to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, the king of Israel. We're going to do that next Sunday, by the way. That's exactly what we're going to be doing. Now go to the next verse. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Go ahead. Now when the adversary... What, what, what did you depict? We'll read that in just a second. What, basically, they have been held captive now. And they've, they, they're now free. And they've now come back to Israel to lay the foundation. And I grant, we as a people, Brookside included, America, in the church, we have, I, just, I just feel the same way. We've been held captive. We've, we've been way off course for a, for a lot of years. We've, we've, we've gotten off course. And, and, and we talked about how God is really realigning us and bringing us back to the right place and the right foundation. And, 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 and that I, I just feel like God is doing. Some of us have gotten our lives into sin. Some of us have gotten into apathy. Some of us have gotten lukewarmness. We've gotten into all sorts of things, mixtures of all sorts of things. And I feel like God called us back this year to come back to the right foundation, the only foundation of truth that you can stand upon. And here what's begin to happen. And that's where I want to build your life because, because obviously you've been building your life on the wrong thing and when COVID and other things hit 9-11 it's exposing that the things you're building your life on ain't going to work Come on, you're falling apart. You're freaking out. You're, 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 you're unbalanced. You have nothing to stand on. The church world was worse than the, than the, than the, than the natural world out here. And so here, these people have been in captivity. They come back, and the first thing they want to come back do is they want to come lay the foundation. And they want to build their lives on the right foundation. And once the foundation of grace, I'm going to say it again, once the foundation of grace is laid in your life, now God can begin to build your life on something. Once you quit trying to help Him and offer Him something, and you get back on Christ, the solid rock. Once you get back on grace through faith, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. All other ground is seeking sand. Once you come back, once the church comes back and begins to get on that foundation and lays that foundation again, watch what I build your lives into. Watch the glorious things that I began to do in you and in the church of Jesus Christ. So they came back. They laid the foundation of the temple. And folks, uh, they, they, they come back there. And then look at what verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1 says. Don't think that in the coming year of 2022 as we start trying to build our lives on the right foundation don't think the accuser James is not coming now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that they returned the exiles returned and were building the temple of the Lord know you not that your body is the temple of God we've been building our lives on a lot of other things and a lot of shaky premises psychology we've mixed religion and psychology we've mixed religion and education we've, really, we've mixed everything that we possibly works in religion we've mixed it all man we've mixed everything human hum, hum, 
Judaism. We've mixed other religions, Chrislam, and all kind of foolishness that we brought onto a wrong foundation that will not stand. But when they started moving to build right on the right foundation again, the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard, and they, 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 they heard they were rebuilding the temple of the Lord of God in Israel. Now look, then the people of the land discouraged them. Get ready. This is what's going to happen now that Brookside Church of God is building on the right foundation and we start standing our lives on the right thing. The people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate them. This is happening by our government against us these days. Just open your eyes and bribe counselors against them to frustrate their... If I preach truth on that thing right up there and say some things that I really want to say, I'm gone. No, no. I mean, I like y'all look, we're censored. We're gone. We're gone. You understand? You understand if I, the things that you preach now in the coming days, you're done. That ain't a joke. That's for real. That, that's what's happening now. And they brought, because they don't want the truth of God's word preached. They don't want the true gospel of Jesus Christ preached. And now everything in our nation and in the world is coming against the people of God. Amen? And so they bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Go to the next verse. And in the reign of Asherah, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. One of my favorite preachers recently wrote, letters are coming to the churches. The world out there hates us, man. They are coming. They are coming. When they don't like something I say on there, they're coming with their lawyers. They're coming. They're coming with their, with their, with their, they're coming. They're coming. It's coming, folks. It's coming. It's coming. When you say something to somebody at school or on your job and they don't like it, they're coming. They're coming. Decide now if they don't like, if you're going to stand. And so they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and of Jerusalem. Go ahead. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews. Were in, now listen, here's what happened, and I promise I'm closing. But you got to hear this. So, so, so they came with these accusations. And when accusations come, when we begin to accuse ourselves or somebody accuses us, what begins to happen? Despair sets in. We begin to get discouraged. And we begin to withdraw. And we begin to disengage. And that's where the church of God, well, you want to talk about when manger scenes started being removed? Guess what? Guess where? the church was nowhere discouraged where was the church they weren't at city hall fighting they weren't standing up when prayer was removed from schools where was the church it wasn't down at the school saying i'm getting my school my kid out of this school and they'll never come back to this godless place we didn't do it we didn't do it and we got more discouraged and we got more despondent and we got more relegated to preach only in that house. And don't put it on the internet. Don't tell it. Don't tell it all out here. Don't stand up for truth. Don't be a pillar in the society of truth. If we're not a pillar of truth in the society, society has no hope. And you really don't love them. And so for years now, we've been having our little parties inside these doors called churches. 
preaching to ourselves and having a high old time and not making any difference outside of these walls because of being afraid. If I say something at my job, oh, if I say something, my kids will be punished at school, oh. And we've been discouraged and we've been, and we've been downcast and we've been afraid and the accusers have come. Oh, you're judging me. How many times do we hear that? Don't judge me. The Word of God's judging you. Sixteen years. Sixteen years. They laid a foundation. Please, dear God, don't let this happen at Brookside Church of God. They laid a foundation. Letters came to discourage them. And for 16 years, it lay bare and in ruins. Scared to build the temple of God. What God had told them. Already given them the letters. Already given them the money. Already given them the permission to go and do this. And because a few people yelled, you can't do that. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings. You can't say that. You'll get fired. You can't run for office. And because they did that 16 years. But let me show you what changed. And here's what I believe has changed this year for us and others. Now go to the next verse. No, 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 no. Now go back, go back. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, fast forward 16 years, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel who was over them. And look what it says. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, and Jeshua, the, the son of jo uh, Josadak, arose and began to rebuild. And that is the word for 2022. Arise and begin to rebuild your life, your marriage, your home, your children, your future. God wants to build you on the foundation of grace and he wants to build up the building of God and the habitation of God and the house of God. They got a word finally at a certain point that was prophesied to them. Arise and rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them supporting them. That's exactly what they did. They got up and they began to rebuild. Jesus is your Ezra 5. He is saying to us and that's what he came in at Christmas time. Stop listening to the lies and stop listening to the accusation. You you now have a foundation of grace. You have full liberty. You are a son. And now stand up and build. Stand up and build. Stand up and build. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You're free to walk in the newness of life and to build. And so it's time to build Brookside Church of God. It is time to build on the foundation of grace our lives and to see what Christ is going to do in us as we put our full hope and trust and completely in His death, burial, and resurrection and to say, God, I can do nothing but through You I can do all things. And just to see what He rises up, the building of, that He rises up and begins to send us into the harvest field to make a difference. Amen. We're on a firm foundation. Father, we just thank you, God, for the word of truth, God. We thank you that, Lord, you are now going to build our lives on the right foundation, God. And we've come through a whole year of preaching to understand that, God, you are the covenant 
that has been given to us. God, the covenant of grace and the foundation that is now laid is laid upon grace. And Father, we just thank you that, Lord, we are on a firm foundation. I am laying my life upon this foundation once again, Lord, casting my everything. And God, I trust that you are going to build something glorious. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that builds it, God. We, have, we, we labor in vain. We've labored in vain in the church world, in America especially, for years now. Lord, building churches, building pastors' dreams and visions, God, rather than building the house of God and the temple of God. Dear God, let the Holy Spirit come into our lives in 2022 and erect something glorious, God, in, our, in us. God, uh, Lord, build, build up our marriages, build up our homes, build up our, Lord, build up our ministries, God. Build our lives in this coming year, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in your holy name. And listen to what we're going to do next week. Because Ezra 3.10, Ezra 3.10 talks about, and when they had laid the foundation, that, 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 that before even the building started, and I feel like that's what we've done a year of, laying the foundation. And here's what they began to do. They came out and they sang and gave praise unto God on that foundation. They, gave, they sang and praised God. And that's what we're coming to do on the day after Christmas. We are coming for a service where we are going to sing. And we are going to praise. And we're going to spend the whole time praising unto God. And what they begin to sing was, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. God, you are good and your love towards us endures forever. And when they did this, it said all the people gave up a great shout. They began to give up a great praise because the foundation of the house was laid. And that that's what we're going to do next Sunday. We're going to say the foundation has been laid. We all ought to have an understanding of that. Hopefully we've all moved on to that foundation by grace through faith. And we're going to celebrate this new covenant Christmas. And we're going to worship God. And we're going to say, God, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Your love towards us endures forever. And then at the first of the year, we're going out with this new mandate. And this new commission from Jesus Christ to go into all the world. While the rest of the world shrinks back, pulls its hands in, gets selfish, we are going to go and we're going to give. We're going to open our hands out. We're going to be a giving people. We're going to be a loving people. Our homes are going to be open. Our lives are going to be open. Our mouths are going to be open. There are going to be smiles on our faces and joy in our hearts because of this new covenant that's going to come. And they're going to look at us in a dismal world and say, why, why, why? And so it's glorious. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for the new covenant. We thank you, God, for the Christ child that came and became a man and brought the new covenant into existence, God. Hallelujah. An eternal covenant. Everlasting salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What joy and peace. Hallelujah. And you can make that yours this morning by simply just inviting the Lord into your heart. He loves you. 
If you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, then just open your heart up to Him right now and just say, God, come into my life. I want you in my life. I want you to be the Savior of my life and the Lord of my life. I receive this new covenant Christmas into my heart. Change me from the inside out and make me new. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life and give me eternal life with you forever. And if you do that or you want to know more about this life with God, come see me after the service or somebody and we'll be glad to help you with that.